We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. Notre Dame Nation, IB Nation. Welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, June 28th. And Ryan, this is kind of that summer period of time where recruiting is supposed to slow down and we're supposed to be able to go on vacations. I I still don't know what that is, but I've been told I need to go on one. Uh, My wife has even told me I need to go on one. I kind of forgot what those are. But unfortunately, I say jokingly, uh, Notre Dame did not get the memo about this being a slower recruiting period. And so uh, over the next week, five big Notre Dame targets are going to be making their college decisions, including one in the 24 class and then four in the 2023 class. So we thought it'd be a good time to sort of preview that. Tomorrow we're going to have a team-related podcast, and then tomorrow night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, we will be live for Cam Williams' decision so we'll carry that and then talk about what it means for Notre Dame we uh, hope to have somebody there at that in person Thursday Charles Jagasaw is going to announce his decision in the morning it will not be live it will just be a social media thing he's going to put out there's a chance we may move our start time for the show so Thursday's normal show will just be about his decision and what that means for Notre Dame so we won't have two shows on Thursday since he will be doing his early in the morning. And and then Friday, we'll have two shows as well. So we'll have our mailbag show and at 1 o'clock, like a normal time. And then at uh, 5, 6 p.m. Eastern, we will go live to talk about the decision that Micah Bell, the cornerback from Texas, is about to make. Sunday is Rico Flores's chance to make his decision known. It's down to we'll, – we'll talk about who it's down to. Uh, we'll carry that live, Ryan. I, I don't remember off the top of my head what time his decision is, but we'll, that's why you need to hit that like, subscribe button, and that notification bell. So we'll put it out there, but we'll also tweet about tweet it out and all those type of things and, and have it on our message board as far as what time that will begin. We will be live for that. And then, of course, Monday on July 4th, uh, it's Christian Grace rounds things out. Those are the ones we know of for now. There's a chance that you know a kid or two could also decide to make a decision over the next week, but we don't have anything scheduled right now. Uh, and that's not a hint that something is pending. It's just saying, you know, I, 
we didn't know that Charles yesterday that Charles Jagasaw was going to announce tomorrow until he told Sean Davis yesterday. So I'm simply saying, leaving open the possibility that there may be another another one or two from from now until July 4th. But we don't right now we don't have any of those pending. So what we're going to do today, Ryan, is we're going to preview all five of those coming decisions. Instead of having a show each day about, okay, you know, tonight this was going to happen and our show is about that. We're just going to do that now. And then we also thought it'd be kind of fun to, as we kind of go into the month of July, to have sort of a, a final look at the confidence level for where we are with Notre Dame prospects kind of going into July. And we've done one recently, and, and now we've been able to gather more data. All the visits are wrapped up now, so that's now a thing of the past. And and so we've got a lot more data points and, 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 and intel on where things stand. So we're going to give you a final look at our confidence level for Notre Dame targets. But we are going to begin, Ryan, with a look at the upcoming decisions. And we're just going to kind of go in order. Obviously, we'll just go chronological order with these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. 
And the first decision is going to be tomorrow night, and that's going to be from 2024 wide receiver Cam Williams. It's interesting. You know, these Notre Dame's kind of in a little bit of a battle with Ohio State in the 2023 class for number one. They keep kind of leapfrogging each other. So a lot of success over the next week for Notre Dame in the 23 class is going to certainly help them sort of solidify being back in the number one spot. For 24, it's about they're already number one. It's about solidifying that number one spot, and that begins with Cam Williams who is from uh, Glenbard South, right, I believe, is where he goes to high school in Glen Ellen, Illinois. And, you know, this is a kid that, honestly, Ryan, a month ago, I would have said I think Notre Dame's in a good place with Cam Williams, but there's other contenders, but I don't think his recruitment's going to be ending anytime soon. That would have been my story to you a month ago. Sure. Yeah, no, he, he – it's escalated certainly quickly, right? Well, if you caught our live show when Jack Larson committed, we talked about I think it's kind of the similar layers, right? It's like Cam Williams really liked Notre Dame. Notre Dame was trending in the right direction. And then I think the CJ Carr layer of this impact from the Irish invasion really kind of pushed Jack Larson over the top. And it appears that it may have done something similar to Cam Williams. Now he they're in obviously a competition to to see if if Cam Williams does follow a similar path and commit to Notre Dame tomorrow night. But the the truth of the matter is, is that he has a very good relationship with C.J. Carr. They've had great talks both at the Irish Invasion and outside of the Irish Invasion. And we're at a point now where Notre Dame is the clear leader entering the decision tomorrow night. And we're talking about a kid that, I mean, yesterday on the show, I think we both agreed – Top 100, 225 caliber type of player, right? Like somewhere in that ballpark. Cam Williams at 6'2", 185 pounds out of the state of Illinois. He's a really talented pass catcher. And it seems like Notre Dame is potentially going to get off to a really good start on the wide receiver board for the 2024 cycle. It's amazing what happens when a big-time quarterback commits in that class. Now, I think a, a big-time quarterback can impact all classes, but it's it's going to – it is – I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Like, I think sometimes there's too much of a focus on only the quarterback for that class, and there's more to it than that. But there's no question that having a quarterback in that class helps, especially when it comes to kids who are close. And, again, I don't think if C.J. Carr is, is not committed to Notre Dame right now, I, I don't know if Cam Williams feels any need to wind his recruitment down. You know, that's just the reality of the situation at this point in time. And for a long time, a lot of people felt like Michigan was the team to beat. And let's be honest, up until Marcus Freeman got hired as the defensive coordinator, now the head coach, Michigan was beating Notre Dame for a lot of kids in Chicago area, right? And mm-hmm. and so, and they beat them for a kid on offense last year. Although I think it ended up working out. I wasn't a huge Tyler Morris fan as a player, but especially after the knee injury, but still they wanted them and they lost. They lost them to Michigan. So if Notre Dame is able to pull this off and, and, and we feel good about it, right? Like, I mean, look, we're not st- taking the kid's moment, right? If you, if you're on Twitter and you see the, the, re- the conversations between CJ and Carr and C and, and, and Cam Williams, they're not exactly hiding what the, the decision is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to say it, but I, I'm comfortable saying that we're very confident with where things stand going into this decision. You're, you're all you're all smart people, so if you want yes. to go look at yes. Twitter, what's happening there, I think you can paint right. This, this piece right. Together don't want to be insulting to that. So right. look, I, I I don't think Jack Larson and, and is in the class if CJ Williams doesn't commit or CJ Carr doesn't commit, and and I don't think Cam Williams is in a decision making process if he doesn't if he if if CJ Carr is not in the class. Now we'll see if that can have an impact in the 2023 class. Right. And, and Archer, our resident Ohio State fan, is referring to 
the impact that uh, that Dylan Rayola is having on the 2023 receiver class for Ohio State. He's the number one quarterback in the 2024 class. I think mm-hmm. C.J. Carr is the number two quarterback in the 2024 class. And so we'll also find out if it can start to impact the 23 class a little bit. And, and I think that, that it will, but we'll dive into that a little bit. But I do think Cam Williams is, is important, Ryan. You had an article out today at Irish Breakdown that I would encourage everybody to go read. You know, we I'd made a comment a couple months ago that about the before we really kind of knew what exactly the 2024 class was made of about how unique it is that sort of the North and the Northeast is such a strong year that Notre Dame has been able to take advantage of that. You know, you've got Drake Bowens, a top 100 player in your home state. You were able to get Brandon Vernon out of Ohio, who's a top 100 player. You go to Massachusetts and you're able to get a four star kid like Preston Zinter, who's a top 20, 250 kid by rivals. You know, you just kind of go through, you get a, you know, look above the Mason Dixon line that, you know, then there's kids like Devin Houston's who's right below it. You know, you've been able to kind of have a lot of success in that class with kids that are, that are from more pro Notre Dame areas that it's not often the case that Notre Dame's able to have success from, from kids that are in, in pro Notre Dame areas. Like I said, like Indiana with Drake Bowen, they've got uh, what two kids from, and uh, I forgot about Bubakar Traore, who's a top hundred recruit from the state of Massachusetts that uh, those kind of kids just don't come along every day. And Notre Dame's been able to, to have some success. Adon Schuler's a top 150 caliber kid from the state of New Jersey, which is usually a pro Notre Dame area when they actually hit it. And so that's been a benefit. But the 2024 class might actually even be more loaded in the North than the 2023 class. When you when you take the true North, right? So we're just going to go like from the Northeast all the way over to like Illinois and and, you know, so not like Northeast or Midwest, but just like the North, right, which would also include Missouri, which I consider a, a, a sort of a, a backyard state of Notre Dame, which for me is defined as a state that borders Notre Dame or a state that borders a state that Notre Dame based. I mean, that should be considered your backyard. And like Clemson has done that. Clemson has basically built their roster for years based on states that are border them or are connected to them. So like Florida would be a state that's not bordering on South Carolina, but it borders a state that borders South Carolina. You need to be able to stretch out your base like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Notre Dame has been able to do. And 24 is loaded. And obviously you've already got two, really three actually, in, in when Owen Wafel, because we're expanding it to just the true North. So not just the, the home base, but you've got CJ Carr from Michigan, Brandon Davis, uh, Swain from Michigan, both top 30 recruits, according to rivals. You've got Owen Wafel, who's a four-star kid. So those are three northern kids that you've got in the class already. And then, right. of course, you added Jack Larson from North Carolina. Cam Williams is another one of those. And, and it's important to get those kids, Ryan, because the last big recruiting weekend that Notre Dame had, who were two of the kids that came on campus? Brandon Davis, Swain, and C.J. Carr. Yeah. If if Cam Williams were to pick Notre Dame, you don't think Cam Williams is going to be a lot of Notre Dame home games this year when there's recruits on campus? You know what I mean? And so it, when you can land big-time players, highly-ranked players, well-known players from your backyard, it really does help your recruiting operation. And, and of course, the C.J. Carr impact is big, but there's also an impact for getting a kid like Cam Williams, in my opinion. No, I agree completely. And, and in regards to that piece, real quick, like I, I even just focused just on the Midwest. Like I didn't even stray over to the Northeast yeah. or down into the. We, we did DMV the home base or, thing. Right. Exactly. Right. So it's like it's, Ohio over to Missouri and, and yeah. Michigan and Illinois and, and, that, and then Wisconsin. That was basically it. I mean, and, and, I mean, and honestly, the, the reason for that is because even when you stretch into like Pennsylvania, you're talking about guys like Peter Jones and right. Emilio Agard. And then you talked about. 
you know, the, the, the true Northeast where we're again, where Notre Dame is looking at a guy like Gerby Lambert out of the state of Massachusetts. And then you go down into Jack Larson just committed out of the state of North Carolina. And there's sure to be Owen Wafel, like you said, is a New Jersey well, kid. And there's in sure New Jersey, kids, the man. state that you're in, Ryan, a lot yeah. of times Notre Dame has success with D linemen, linebackers, offensive linemen from the North. Sure. But what Jersey has, for example, and this is the thing that I think makes this a little bit different is, it's the skill that we're finding in the North. Emilio Agard yeah. is from Pennsylvania. He's a top 100 caliber player. Yeah. Um, the uh, Don Schuler's teammate, whose name I, I sadly don't know how to pronounce. Uh, I don't. I know you've... you've two Ray. I, I don't right, know how to pronounce right. his first name, but two Ray. Yeah. So he's a top 200 guy, I think. It, Kaj Sanders is not ranked high, but he will be. If you've seen that kid's film, he's going to be a top 150 player. And then I think that's kind of the difference here a little bit. You know, a kid like Corey... I would argue the most dynamic back on Notre Dame's board is Corey is Corey Smith. I keep wanting to say Corey Davis. I'm still having that problem. Dang it, Corey Davis from Western Michigan. <laughs> but Corey Smith is arguably the most dynamic back on Notre Dame's board. He's from Wisconsin. When does Notre Dame have a dynamic athlete that it is in the game for in from Wisconsin? How often does Notre Dame produce a top 100 players like Cam Williams from the Chicago area who also have really good grades? It doesn't happen often. And so it's important that Notre Dame have success. But this is this is also something we have to be able to point to and say, this is helping Notre Dame that this now 23 and now 24 are, are unusually good years in the North, but even more so with skill players. I mean, the chat, the Jagasaws we see all the time. I mean, sure. look at the 2017 offensive line, right? You had Alex Bars was from Tennessee. That was like the most Southern kid that they had. Robert Hainsey was from Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Liam Eikenberg's from Ohio. Tommy Kramer's from Ohio. Quentin Nelson's from New Jersey. And mm-hmm. I, I'm who my friend. So bars. We had the right. The same Mustafers from the Maryland DC area. And did you mention McGlinch? He's a Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, he too, wasn't on so. the 17 offensive line. Oh, gotcha, but if you, man. Well, he was though, actually. I, you're correct. I said Eikenberg, but it was McGlinchey was the left tackle on that team. He was mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania. So yes, your, your point absolutely stands. And then if you look at the 2020 line, yeah, Jared Patterson from California and Aaron Banks from California. It's a little bit unique. But, sure. again, Eichenberg from Ohio, Hainsey from Pennsylvania, Kramer from Ohio. That's normal. You know, the the all the stud defensive linemen the Rams had recently, a lot of them are from the state of Michigan, right? So th- the big guys they've been able to have success with, it's the skill that they've had to travel all over the country to get, and they're still doing so. Sure. But when you can tap into a five-star quarterback from the state of Michigan and you can tap into a top-100 receiver from the state of Illinois and a top – 150 db from jersey or a top 100 corner from pennsylvania who we're not sure they're going to get all those guys we're just saying you you know the the higher success rate has got to be key and that's why getting a kid like cam williams in that 2024 class this early helps because it helps you to build momentum and as these other kids visit campus then all of a sudden cj Carr shows up cam williams shows up brandon davis swain shows up and it's only going to help notre dame's recruiting efforts moving forward agree completely i think that notre dame is again you're you're talking about the the quality of athlete in the North Northeast, you know, just quantify everything as the North in 2023. I think 2024 is another example that this talent gap between the Southern States and the Northern States is it's getting less. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the state of Florida, Texas, like those guys, they're always going to produce talent. Cause that's, you know, that's the pipelines. Right. But the North is going to be very good for Notre Dame for the next two cycles, including 2023. Mm-hmm. So, and Cam Williams is a great example of that because an Illinois kid, this high caliber, this high right. a- academic of a kid, skill player. You have, you have right. to get that kid. You have skill to get player. that kid. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
Speaking of highly ranked players from Illinois, uh, that's who is next on the list, and that is Charles Jagasol. So now we get into the 2023 stretch of recruits, Ryan. Charles Jagasol is a player uh, who has got a very interesting rankings profile, and then it's very much um, an, another example of just how wacky this whole recruiting rankings thing has turned into. So Charles Jagasol is a young man that is ranked as the number 122 player by rivals. Look, I Charles Jagasol has a lot to work on in his game. He's very raw, but there are not 121 players in the country better than Charles Jagasol. Agree. ESPN ranks him 71st. 247 ranks him 64th. I am comfortable with that because sure. of how raw he is. Because we do differentiate between upside floor and ceiling. Ceiling grade is incredibly high. He's one of the five most just gifted linemen in this class, in my opinion, along with Monroe Freeling and Samson Okunlola, Caden Proctor, some guys like that. And then on three ranks him as the number seven player in the country and the number one offensive lineman. Now that's a little high unless you're looking at the upside. And then I'm, I can live with it as an upside. I still say that's probably a tad high, but, you know, upside wise, he's got a top 25 national upside in my opinion. Sure. But, you know, seven to 64, that's a range that I can definitely live with. The point being, when you're complaining about him being number 122 is the the one you're pointing out. I was like, that's absurd. That's a pretty good football player. <laughs> you know what 100%. I mean? Yeah. And and this is a top 100 kid. He is obviously number 41 overall on the on three rankings. Uh, as far as their consensus rankings, he's number 55 overall in the 247 composite rankings. This is a big one. And this is the kind of kid that Notre Dame has had success with in the past. However, this is a big a big one for Notre Dame because this is kind of Coach Eastan trying to put the finishing touches on a line that people are going to say, yeah, the guy hasn't lost his touch, right? And there's we've said there's two big guys out there. They'd like to get both of them, but Jagasol's a guy that Harry Eastan jumped on immediately, like immediately when he got hired. And for all the talk of Michigan this and Arkansas, and, and Arkansas did a great job recruiting him. Michigan did a great job recruiting him. Iowa did a great job recruiting him. Those staffs worked hard. This was never a, a question for us mm-hmm. and regards to where he's going to go. So now we just need to find out for sure what that decision is. But if he does pick Notre Dame and we feel good about that being the case, again, not one that's a big mystery. This is a big one for Notre Dame. And forget the recruiting rankings for a second. This is a big time football player that they had to get. Cause you can't like, as you said, Ryan, you cannot miss on impact players in your backyard. And that means if it's a kid from like Michigan and Ohio is different because there's big time programs in those states. You're going to miss on a lot of those kids. When there's a kid from Illinois, that's a big time player. I don't care what part of Illinois he's from. If he has any kind of academic profile at all and goes to a Catholic school, you cannot miss. And Notre Dame has done a great job with this one to make sure that they don't. Did you see my comment on Charles Jagasaw on the, on the board last night, Brian, which one? Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> there's there's a bunch out there right now. Um, no, someone someone said something about uh, oh, crystal balls are are flying high. Oh, I did see that. Bags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah Just so y'all know, Ryan got fired for about five minutes last night, and then uh, <laughs> it's like the IB the IB crystal ball has been with yeah. Charles Jagasol since January. Yeah. <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah. Look, I, I'm honestly, and this is completely transparent. I am surprised that he has been on the board this long to be mm-hmm. honest because we know from everything we've heard and from what sean's talked to him and all that good stuff charles doesn't really like the recruiting process right. like it's not his thing right? right like it's it was more at this point 
my mom needs to be comfortable with the decision, right? right. We need a we need a structured, yeah. full scope understanding of what each school is going to give to us. We're going to sit down and we're going to make a proper decision. He did it the right way, in my opinion. And yeah. Even with the, I mean, the the post that he's going to make, right? Like he doesn't want to go on CBS Sports or do any of that stuff. He's like, I'm right. going to throw on a social media post and that's right. it. Like I, he's not that type of dude. And I right. respect that so and much. And then he's heading to a workout. That's, exactly. the, that's the funny thing, right? Then he's heading to a workout after that. Sean yeah. has been all over this one. And 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 this is the reason where, where a lot of our confidence level comes from is because of how, uh, because of how, just locked in Sean has been on this one with getting to know the coach and the mom and, and Charles is very open about why he prolonged the recruiting process. We thought this one for all, be honest with you for full disclosure, we thought this was going to be over in April after he visited. Like we, that's what we were anticipating. That's kind of some of the Intel that we had, but then when his mom and sat down, he, he wanted to make sure that mom was on board. And, 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 and what mom being on board, as we found out, wasn't seeing campus because she's seen it before. And Sean had wrote about that. It was she wanted to be able to look Marcus Freeman in the eye. She wanted to look Harry Heastan in the eye and be like, what's your plan to take care of my son? Which is what every parent should be asking. And not, not so much like just about football, but in all areas. And it was funny, you know, Marcus Freeman kind of nailed the other stuff, but the best part of Sean's interview with them after the visit was how mom was in the film room with Harry Heastan asking questions and talking ball. Like she I was, love she it. said this was about football. And I'm like, you don't see mom saying that a whole lot. It was awesome. Uh, that awesome. But that was the big part of it. And once that got done, it was, it was, I mean, that was the key. And so, but, but Charles is always honest and upfront about that. I'm not going to decide until my mom's on, on board and my mom's not going to be on board until she gets a chance to sit down and, and see eye to eye with these, you know, face to face with these men that are going to be basically in charge of her son's direction and guidance over the next four or five years. And I'm like, you know what? That's called good parenting. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I respect everything out of the Jagasaw perspective yeah. on the recruiting. Like, again, yeah. we thought this was going to end a lot earlier, but they didn't jump the gun. They made this a family decision, a, a, his coach included in this conversation, right? Like, this was a very thorough and thought-out process. This wasn't straying it along because you love the recruiting process. This was straying it along because you wanted to make the best decision. I applaud the Jagasaws for how they attacked this process. Mm -hmm. and, and and as I said, Sean has done a tremendous job. Sean Davis has done a tremendous job covering this recruitment, which is why we've been out in front of all this Sean broke yesterday that he was going to make his decision on Thursday. And it's it's uh, it's been a big one. So this is going to be, if Notre Dame can close it, which we anticipate they're going to do, this is going to be a big feather in Harry Heastan's cap because of all the of all the and they've landed some really good offensive linemen. He's the highest ranked. And to me, I'd, I'd argue he has the highest ceiling. I think him and Elijah Page of the five that would be in the class if they land him to me are the, the two with the high ceiling for me. Right. And I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that, that he is my, he is my number one upside guy of the guys that would be in the class. For yeah. Me. I don't disagree with that at all. So that'll be tomorrow morning or Thursday morning. And, and we'll have a show kind of breaking it all down that afternoon. We may, we may go live at two because if we go live at two, there's a chance that Charles may, he he's going to try to, find some time there's a chance he may join the show depending on what his decision is but if he was going to join it would have to be in like that two to three window and if we go live at one i'm not sure if we can guarantee that we'll be there i, I we may still go live at one that's why you need to hit that notification bell uh, i just need to go over talk to vince and ryan and just kind of see what our schedule is going to be like because what i don't want to do is do a 
a one o'clock show where we spend an hour and a half talking about Charles and then he joins the show if that were to be the case. And yeah. it's like, oh, by the way, here's Charles Jagasol talking about his commitment. That would be weird. And but I also, you know, I also don't want to like I think that I just say, like, I don't want to do a show talking about something else. I also don't want to do another show for an hour and a half talking about Charles and, and you know, his commitment and all that. And then if he if that's what he does. And and then we get them on like an hour and a half into it. So we may end up doing that. Uh, it just depends on it just depends on kind of talking with Ryan and, and Vince about what our schedule is going to be that week. So but one or two o'clock, we're going to go live during one of those two windows to discuss his decision. And that will be our show that day. Now, if he doesn't pick Notre Dame, then, you know, that would that would be a little something different. We'll have a we'll have a we'll still talk about it, but it may be part of a, a bigger show, a different kind of show. But as we said, we feel. We feel comfortable that our Notre Dame is on that one. So next on the list, Ryan. So that's Thursday. We got Cam Williams on Wednesday, Charles Jagas on Thursday. I'm hoping that by Friday evening at six o'clock Eastern, when Micah Bell goes live with his decision, uh, that I'll still have a voice because we'll have those <laughs> shows plus a mailbag on Friday. And this is a this is a big one too, Ryan. And obviously, he's got a list of a top ten. It's Notre Dame. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head: Notre Dame, Texas, Tennessee, Baylor, Michigan State, uh, Duke, Stanford, Vanderbilt, Harvard. Harvard, and then there's one other that I'm missing. Unless I haven't, unless I didn't listen, Did I didn't listen to Notre Dame. Did I, said, I didn't listen to Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, up? I got nine. Who's the tenth? Oh, that's right, the team I cover. Uh, so and then Notre Dame, and it's a very unique list because you've got like. Texas, Tennessee, Michigan State, Baylor on one side. Not that not that some of those aren't good academic schools, but sure. it's like they're not known as academic schools. And then on the other side, you've got like Notre Dame, Duke. Oh, Stanford. Stanford's the other one. It's Notre Dame, Duke, Stanford, Vanderbilt, uh, and Harvard. And you're like – and the Notre Dame, you're like, okay, yeah, this kid's a little different. And honestly, we didn't know what his decision was going to be when he announced in early June his top ten and commitment day on the same day. But then as soon as you look at your list, you're like, yeah, okay, I feel good about that one, <laughs> right? Because how many yeah. top 100 corners from the state of Texas have uh, top 10s that include Stanford, Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, Duke, and Harvard? With 10-3 speed as well. Right. Throw that. Got to throw that in there. Right. <laughs> right. So sure. you just you don't see that often. Speaking of Micah Bell, Ryan, he is from Houston, Texas. Notre Dame hasn't landed a lot of kids from Houston, the Houston area in the last 20 years, so that's a big one. Yeah. 247 Sports ranks him as the number 55 player in the country. Rivals ranks him number 114, and ESPN ranks him number 128. And then there's Ole on three, which ranks him as the number 63 player in Texas. In Texas. He's the 41st best cornerback in the country, according to on three, which is just an absolutely absurd ranking. But I think the other three are, are, are more in line. To me, I, I view him I'm, – I'm comfortable with where 247 Sports has him, just from an upside standpoint. And the fact he is a dynamic running back, Ryan, you've talked about this. Like, you've yeah. even said, like, his best film right now from just a production standpoint is at running back. And Easy. and and yeah. so, you know, 1,000-yard running back last year, very talented corner. His brother, Dylan, signed with Georgia last year. You know, so he kind of helped take some of that uh, – or he not kind of helped, but he took some of that – uh, production, you know, away. Obviously, he was a, a really good player for them as well. Signed with Georgia, and and so this is one that's uh, a, a pretty big deal, in my opinion, Ryan. This is a pretty big deal. His brother Dylan last year rushed for six hundred and fifty-five yards, and uh, let's see six point five yards per carry. I'm actually going to pull up Micah's stats as well, so we can kind of go and compare them. But his brother signed with, like I said, signed with Georgia last year, national champs. 
Brother had 46 catches, 662 yards, had 655 receiving yards, really good all-around player. Mike, so that kind of helped to put in perspective why his rushing numbers weren't higher. He averaged uh, – Micah rushed for 1,118 yards at 8.3 yards per carry and nine touchdowns. Dylan had uh, 14 touchdowns, so it looks like Dylan was kind of the goal line back. Dylan's a, a bigger player. Dylan's 200 pounds, was over 200 pounds. Last year, Micah also did some things in the past game, uh, not a ton, but he did get he did catch ten balls. But then, of course, his defensive film was really, really impressive. And uh, you know, and that's uh, that's one of those things you look at and say, "Boy, this, this kid's a this kid's a really good all around player." But his ceiling, to me, is highest on defense, which is why I like him at corner. But he's going to make his decision Friday night. This is a big one for Notre Dame because quarterback and cornerback are the only two positions right now that Notre Dame doesn't have anybody. In the class. Yeah. I mean, they've got at least one player in every other position except cornerback and quarterback. And and so Micah Bell gives them a chance to get on the board, but they've like I said they got to close it out. Houston's another one on the list. So I, I'd have to go through the list again. Houston was also a team on the list. So I'd have to go through the list and and count those up again. But Houston was a team that and that is actually a school he visited recently. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just in the name. He also made a trip to Houston, which is easy because it's in the town it's he in lives backyard. in. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. So, Micah Bell, Ryan, what are your thoughts on him? And then what are your thoughts on his recruitment? Because you've had a chance to talk to him a little bit. Yeah, no, he's a dynamic player. And I I think I put on an article last week or the week before where, you know, this kind of string of six days with five players that Notre Dame is targeting making decisions. Like, this is where Notre Dame can seriously flip the script as far as what the perception is of cornerback recruiting, at least in the 2023 cycle. And I would argue that Micah has near as much upside as any corner in the 2023 class because, honestly, he's one of those kids that is asked to do so much for his team that he can't really just focus on just playing corner. Like, he's a kid for me when he gets really good coaching and he's, and he's going to focus on one singular thing. I mean, the kid, the sky's the limit. I think the length is pretty good for a player his size. But then, I mean, again, you can't teach 10-3 speed. Like, you, it's something you have or something you don't. And he has tremendous upside. And then, Brian, like the other layer of it is, kid's going to be a dynamic return man for Notre Dame as well. Like, I would not be shocked if, even if he's not playing a ton of snaps as a true freshman, if he's not the team's main punt returner or he's on the kick return unit, like whatever it is. Because the kid just, again, you can't teach that type of speed. So this is a potentially a big one for Notre Dame. They, like you said, the minute you saw his final 10, you're kind of like, huh. That's uh, that's right. pretty telling there. And then the other fact that he made one visit to Notre Dame this month and he hasn't been anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That is another big indicator of, I think Micah Bell likes Notre Dame a little yes. bit. Just a, yes. Just a little bit. Now it's about closing, right? Now it's about yep. closing the deal and making sure, because look, you may think you're going to get a kid, but until he goes and says that other schools are going to keep trying to recruit him. And that's, that's where Notre Dame is. So even if they feel they're going to get him, they got to keep recruiting him until until he makes a decision and then of course beyond you know and and so this is this is a big one for Notre Dame they've got to get on the board of corner got to get on the board of corner and then there's a second one that could come in here soon and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute but we Ryan are going chronologically so you have Micah Bell that's a big one that gets you a, a borderline top 100 kid and once on three comes around and, and gets their minds right about his ranking he jumps into the top 100 I mean and they don't Easy. even have to rank him that high they just have to rank him as like a top 300 guy. And and that would probably send his composite and consensus into the top hundred because he's borderline there now, even with think about this, 
even with on three ranking him as a, a pretty low three star, the number 63, 63 player in the state of Texas, their own consensus ranking has him number 118. And then that he's should, number 120 on 247 sports. That that should be like a moment where you're kind of like, huh, that's mm-hmm. weird that yeah. our consensus is so much higher than our actual grade. Like that's weird, right? right? Like maybe we should right. double check this at this point. But uh, uh, agree. And again, yeah. you don't have to come around to him being a top 100 player. I think he sure. is. That's the sure. grade he's earned at Irish Breakdown is like as a top 100 to 150 caliber guy. But man, the upside is enormous. And that alone, the, and the speed, the speed alone and the production alone should have him ranked a lot higher than the 63rd best kid in the state of Texas. That's just insanity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Up next, Ryan, Sunday. So as of now, Saturday is an off day. That's a day for us to recover and, and rest. And we'll probably have a, we'll have a, a, I'll have a show with Sean Davis most likely on Saturday. We'll be back on track. He had he had some things going on with family and a wedding and some other things going on on Saturday. So he, he, and I think a family birthday. I mean, so we just, we just decided to take the day off and, and uh, I needed a day off <laughs> to be honest with you. And we were able to kind of get caught up on some things, uh, but we'll be back Saturday. And so that'll be our show Saturday. But as of right now, Ryan, there are no commitments planned for Saturday. And I don't say that as a tease, like mm, this kid made this. No, as of right now, there just aren't any decisions made Sunday. However, there is a big one, and that is Rico Flores. He is going to make his decision, right? Do you know off the top of your head the time? I believe is it was four. Could I be four, wrong there? Four I'll Eastern. Double, I'll double check. Yeah, let me yeah. double check, though. Let me double check. So Rico is going to make his decision on Sunday, we know. And his final three for a little bit, Notre Dame initially made his top five. We talked a lot about his recruitment yesterday, so we won't rehash all of it. We'll just kind of quickly give you an idea. They made his top five uh, – several months ago when he released the top five, but they were kind of at the bottom of it because he'd never been to Notre Dame as far as we know. And then they just kind of slowly worked their way up. The staff did a great job. Tommy Reese went out and saw him during the evaluation period. Uh, Chancey Stuckey went out and saw him during the evaluation period. And they just kind of slowly worked up. And then he released a top three that included Ohio State, Georgia, and Notre Dame. 
at the time we felt Notre Dame was closer to three than they were to one. Ohio State was considered the leader for a very long time. Obviously, their their receiver class is filled up. But even before their class filled up, Ryan, once he made the visit to Notre Dame on the weekend of June 10th, we felt Notre Dame for the first time actually had a shot at beating Ohio State, even if they were willing to take Rico. Because at that time, Cardinal had not committed. Or did Cardinal commit? No, Cardinal had not committed. Brandon mm-hmm. Ennis had not committed, and Noah Rogers had not committed. And at the time, Bama was really making a run at, at, at Brandon Rogers. There was a lot of rumblings, whether they were true or not, about Noah Rogers and NC State. End of the day, the Buckeyes got them all, which opened this up and kind of took out the top contender for Notre Dame. So we feel, and then of course Georgia canceled his visit, which, from the people I've talked to, that wasn't a a, a cancellation based on they're full or they don't want them. That was a cancellation based on we know we're not getting them and we're going to kind of save face a little bit. Because sure. at the same time, I, I know for a fact there's other uncommitted and committed receivers to other places that Georgia's trying to get involved with mm-hmm. because they're not doing really well at receiver right now. And and so there's some guys that they like, but this was not a we're not taking you or you're not a fit or you're not we don't have room or anything like that. This was more of a we're not getting them. So let's let's and, and that's smart recruiting, by by the way. And so it was it was going to be a Notre Dame Ohio State battle and going into it, you know, obviously things are looking really really good for where Notre Dame stands with Rico Flores. And this is a big one cuz as a right receiver they need minimum four. They only got one and and Rico's a kid that that brings a strong recruiting profile, right? And I mean he he ranks between 106 on Rivals and 266 on On3, consensus four-star kid. He's in the 200s by 247 ESPN and On3. Rivals ranks him number 106. I think he's kind of in between Rivals and 247, which has him number 246. I think he's in between there yeah. is where I would rank him. But the four-star is obvious. We broke his film down yesterday. His kid's really grown on me. He's a good football player and and, and a, a must-get for Notre Dame at this point in time in the 2023 class. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's said perfectly. And the moment that we saw – Ohio State fill up. That was my main concern. And I think it was last week we talked about it or two weeks ago. I can't, I can't remember. Days kind of blend together, it seems. But we talked about, you know, I said that I wanted to monitor the Ohio State visit because that was the, the one that worried me. Georgia never really worried me. It was Ohio State. That was the team where I was just like, Ugh, like, I think he really likes Ohio State. Like Brian Hartline has a great pedigree and resume. And I think he's very intrigued by that, obviously. And then once we had Tate Ennis and Noah Rogers back to back to back that trip gets canceled. You're kind of like, okay, that's, that's a good indicator, obviously. Right. So it's the simple fact Notre Dame has been on Rico for a long time and Rico has never had the question if Notre Dame liked his, liked him as a player, as an athlete, as a student, all those good things. They've been in the corner for Rico for a very long time. And there's never been any wishy-washiness to, is he a take, how much do we like him? Do we like him, not love him? Like that conversation has never been a point for Rico Flores with Notre Dame. So again, another one, you feel really good going into it because especially after Ohio State does not seem to have room for him and that mm-hmm. has kind of derailed that recruitment. So Yeah, it, it, but again, I don't care how a kid ends up in the class as long as they get him. And and, and I do think that we need to, to talk. Ohio State was going to be tough to beat, but I do believe Notre Dame had made themselves. And that's just going off of the intel we got from both sides of it was the things he was saying to Notre Dame during mm-hmm. the visit to other recruits during the visit the week after Notre Dame moved the needle big time there. 
Yep. Would it have been enough if he would have gone to Ohio State? And I, I don't I don't know. We won't know the answer to that. But I did feel like Notre Dame had finally put themselves in a position where they had a shot to really to really actually close that one out, uh, depending on how some other things happen. So Rico Flores makes his decision on Sunday. Big one. They need a receiver. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go into Monday. And this is commitment number five. Obviously, Christian Gray is going to make his decision – I don't have. I don't. Was his is his time four o'clock as well? I, I thought I remember Gray. seeing Christian Gray's decision also. Being I think I think it was four. Yeah, four yeah. o'clock. I'll I'll double check that, but that okay. sounds very familiar. Yep. So he makes his decision on July fourth, and this is again another another big one. And this is this is an, this was a, been a very interesting recruitment, Ryan, because Notre Dame was considered the early leader for Christian Gray, and you're talking about a kid who's ranked number fifty one in the nation by rivals. The lowest ranking he has is 159 by 247 sports. I think obviously in the, between those two is exactly where he needs to be. Uh, which way he goes in regards, is he closer to 150 or closer to 50? Just depends on how his speed translates. All the other skills are there. Great feet, great instincts. He's very sticky in coverage. He's long, uh, very smart player, high football IQ, fits at Notre Dame, very religious kid. I mean, just all the boxes get checked for you know Notre Dame fit, but – He's also a DB, and Notre Dame's not a school that's produced a lot of highly drafted defensive backs at the cor- – well, cornerbacks, I should say. They've produced a couple first-round picks of safety the last decade, but not at corner. They haven't had a first-round pick at corner since 1993. Crazy. They haven't had a second-round pick at corner since Allen Rossum, which I think was like 99 or 2000. And when you're going against LSU and Ohio State, that matters. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, and I know Ohio State liked him a lot. LSU liked him a lot. His former high school coach got hired by Brian Kelly as his new corners coach. So for a time, Notre Dame went from number one, and they kind of fell down to number three. They slowly charged back up, and I think surpassed Ohio State relatively quickly with Christian Gray. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became about Notre Dame and LSU. And LSU was considered the leader for a while, Ryan. And we believe, and we've said this before on the show, so we're not repeating anything we haven't said before. We believe that over the last month and a half that Notre Dame has climbed back and taken the lead. It started to change about a month and a half, two months ago. Sean wrote an article, Ryan, where he said that uh, he started to say, like, Notre Dame's moving, like making a move, right? Like, just, and they stayed on him. And And I remember talking to someone who said, look, it doesn't matter where he goes, where you know, Notre Dame's gonna continue to recruit him like until signing day. Because yeah. the thought from the Notre Dame folks was this is a Notre Dame kid, he just may not know it yet. Right. And it may take us longer than we thought to to make him realize that he's a Notre Dame kid. And it didn't take him as long, which says a lot about this staff. Mike Mickens did a great job on this. Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden did a great job on this. So uh he is gonna make his decision Sunday night. Did you get the time, Ryan? Did four, you find four that? O'clock, four o'clock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he'll make his decision on four o'clock. It's going to be Notre Dame, LSU, or Ohio State. Really, it, it's come down to Notre Dame and LSU. And you know, like I said, we feel we feel really good about where things are trending for Notre Dame in this recruitment. So this yep. is another potential big one. And again, these aren't kids. None of these kids are like, oh, it's a three star kid that we think is going to be good. These are guys that everybody thinks are good players uh, sure. to some degree. So so this is another one that's a, a to me a, a really big one for Notre Dame if they're able to to close this one out and and finish off the direction that we feel it's been going for a while. It's something where the staff very early on identified Christian Gray was their guy, right? And that's over guys like Malik Muhammad, who we liked a ton. They, 
saw Christian Gray and they said that's the that's the guy in this class for us, right? And you said they were at least ranked number fifty-one overall. R- rivals has a number. Group. Rivals, yeah, yeah. So rivals. rivals has them very high. I think that Christian Gray is one of those players that could play early on at Notre Dame because I think that he's very savvy, instinctual player who has a good all-around profile, has good length to him, has good speed. Everything just kind of checks boxes, and he really understands how to play the game. A very kind of advanced understanding of how to play the cornerback position, and he's Notre Dame's guy. So I credit them so much for this one, Brian, because we look at it and we just say, like, again, when things are trending away, sometimes it's easy to take the foot off the gas a little bit, right, mm-hmm. and just kind of be like, wow, this just isn't going to be our guy. Right. Notre or Dame, to make it – you know what they would do in the past, Ryan – yeah. Is they would say, well, he's not. This is what they would do when they were trending away. They would they would give up in a lot of different positions. They would just give up and be. And then you start getting phone calls and text messages from your source saying, well, you know, he wasn't really a fit. We've moved on to other guys. We liked other guys better. And it's like the last staff, the people that that I knew and the source I had, you'd thought they never missed on a kid. And every time they right. didn't get a recruit, it's because they chose not to take him, which drove me freaking nuts. But this staff, when they fell behind, said, okay, you know what? Like you said, Ryan, we got to step things up and we got to right. keep pushing. And they did not take, they did not take that, they did not take they did not take getting passed up with him, a kid that they knew they had to get easily. They really ramped things up and, and did it the right way. It wasn't just pressure. It was okay, let's make sure we continue to really emphasize why we think that we're the best fit for this young man. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's when adversity hits and this is extreme cliche. That's when the hard work comes and Notre Dame staff was just like, we got to put our head down here. Right. Like, and we got to get back into this one. We got to flip the script. I mean, it's not just something where, Oh, it's hard. Let's, let's move on. Let's go to the next kid. Notre Dame has been on this one. They've had a lot of effort in this one and they've put themselves as the team to beat going into Monday, Monday's decision with Christian Gray, who is a very good player. And I Notre Dame is, Obviously made him a high priority, and all it is left now is to close the deal over the next couple of days. So that's the five. As of right now, that's the five, right? And yep. and these are all must-gets. I mean, you know, we can kind of talk about, you know, like not every kid is a must-get. Some kids are easily replaceable. Like if you don't get that kid, there's other kids like him, right? These are kids that Notre Dame cannot have the class that that they need to have. And I'm not talking about rankings. I'm talking about – they cannot have a gap closing class, Ryan, if they don't get all five of these kids, four of these kids in the. Tw- I'm focusing on the 2023 class. So uh, to me, that is this is this is big for them. They have to they have to hit. I mean, I'm talking not like three or four. They've got to hit all four, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. I mean, this is this is the moment, man. This is where you can you can accentuate and you can really put your foot down and say like, yes, we have a chance in number one class. And I know everyone is going to hyper-focus on quarterback in 2023. And like, I get it. I understand. I hear you. Yeah. But it's, it's something where if you keep piling on talented player out of talented player, you are going to solidify how special of a class this is. And they have an opportunity. I mean, we're talking about, not in, obviously Cam Williams, 2024 kid, but you have a chance to to end the deal on five guys in six days. Like that is a tremendous. Have you ever heard of that? By the way, like that is a crazy stretch. Five recruits in six no. days. That's no. I mean, the nuts. only time only time I could ever remember there being a lot of that was like back in the day when most kids would make their decisions around signing day. Yeah, you'd get like three or four kids the day before signing day or two days before signing day, but. 
nothing like this. Like I remember a couple of years ago, Notre Dame had a really good month of July with like two or three kids, like Cam Hart committed on July 4th. And I think Brennan Clark also committed on, on July 4th. So they ended up like getting two kids on July 4th. Cause there's kids that like to do that. You know, there's a lot of kids that like to commit on July 4th. And, there, and a lot of times the reason is because you're, you're at some family gathering, right. And it's a chance to celebrate and, and those type of things. So, you know, we've seen that, but I'm going to look Ryan and, and kind of, cause I think it's not just about the six, but it's six over the summer, like five, like five out of six days over the course of the summer when it, which is supposed to be kind of the slow time. And it's not even like it's happening like during visits, but last year they signed three kids in July. They got Jaden Bellamy on the second, they got Jalen Steele on the 12th and Benjamin Morrison on the 15th. So the entire month of July, and if you look at June and July, and again, this is a Notre Dame class that finished sixth in the nation last year. And they got, see, three kids in June. Where's Notre Dame at right now in June in 2023? They didn't get a lot of 2023 kids in June, right? It was mostly 2024 kids, right? Yes. So yeah. they got, because uh, they got, May was the month. They got Absher in May. Mm-hmm. They got uh, Pendleton, I think, in May. Correct. They got Jay yeah. Lamar in May. Devin Houston in May was mm-hmm. Pendleton was April. They got mm-hmm. Devin Houston, Sullivan Absher, and Jay Lamar in May. And then in June, uh, did they? I'm trying to think who they even got in June. Most of it's been been 2023 20, kids in in June. Yeah. Obviously, they got CJ Carr. Uh, they got uh, Owen Wafel in June was also no. He was in May as well. Or no, he was in he was in May as well. And then yeah, they got Jack Larson. Looking at it here, they got Joe Odding and Elijah Page at the beginning of the month. Okay. So it's going to be a, a, an offensive line month is the way it things is. are going to end up turning out for Notre Dame. So they yeah. got they got three kids in May, two kids in June, which is kind of on par, but they were kind of spread out. And then go back to 2019 was the, the year I was looking at, Ryan. So they got in July, they got – yeah, they only had two kids in July period, and that was Cam Hart and Brendan Clark both committed in on July 4th in the 2019 class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they they have they, – I just don't remember a time where they got this many kids, this compacted, and even just from a volume standpoint. Because if you if you look at the other June commitments, they got Page, they, ha- they got Odding. If they're able to get Jagasaw, so you got three offensive linemen. You got C.J. Carr. In, in June, you got Jack Larson in June. Let me go to the 24 class here real quick because I can't remember Wafel when he, he – he was May. Yeah, he was in May. So you got Carr and Larson. You're, you, you know, if they're able to get Cam Williams, that's six June kids right there in the mm-hmm. two classes. And then potentially you're going to get two more kids in July. And I, I highly anticipate Notre Dame getting at least one or two more kids in July, in my opinion. Agree. So, Agree. I don't think they're done after Christian Gray for the month. But like you said, Ryan, it just isn't often you see this many kids committing this consecutively to one school if that's what happens. Yeah. And you definitely don't see it at this time of the year. Like this again, this is sort of supposed to be the the slow time. Even with the right. officials, it's supposed to be the slow time of the year. And and you have some big time kids, obviously, right? Like we've just spent time talking about Charles Jagas, who's ranked as the number seven player in the country by by a platform. We're talking about guys like Micah Bell and Christian Gray that are ranked in the top 100. Cam Williams, who's ranked as a top 150 kid by multiple platforms. Like, we're talking about a string of really talented football players, and I think that's also big too, Brian, because, and let's be honest, the only thing people want to talk about is Dante Moore. 
mm-hmm. and what's happening with the 2023 quarterback talk and all this type of stuff. Yeah. And let's be honest, recruits out there are also looking at that right. talking point. But now, right. if you have a string of that, that's where where to capture momentum again, man. Like if you land right. five recruits of that caliber in a six day span, for a moment you're going to be like, oh wow, it right. doesn't really like. I trust this. Maybe they're, right. They know they what they're doing. Yeah, they don't have a quarterback, but they got one next year, and exactly. look what they're doing. And I think the momentum is needed because they've done well in June in twenty three. I mean, you got two linemen that you needed that the line class needed to fill up, right? And they got two kids they liked. If you're able to get Jagasol, that's a big, a big one. But now you've not only is it the numbers around, but you've you could potentially solidify two whole position groups this with how it fills out right you're done it you're 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 you've met your you're done with your needs at corner now i think that they're not done at corner because from what we're told by our sources they still want josiah wagner they'd like a third corner in his class right but two is the need right that's where you that's where your need is you've you've met your need on the offensive line and and so and now you've you've kind of now you're halfway to where you need to be a receiver as opposed to well, you know, they got one guy, they need four. Now you're at least halfway and you can hopefully then close out on some other guys. So I, I think it's important to, to not only from, I think the momentum piece is important, Ryan. I'm not disagreeing mm-hmm. with what you're saying. I'm trying to build on to what you said, which is sure. great in that it not only gives them momentum, but it also fills very important needs in this 2023 class and, and, and continues to get the 24 class rolling with just a, yet another, I mean, think about, Four of the five, they'll have the number one class in 2024, partly because of volume. Not a lot of teams have five kids committed, but it's also highly ranked guys. You'll have five kids. Four of them are from the north. Three of them are from your backyard, either either Indiana or a state that borders Indiana. Three are in your backyard. That is big. That is big for Notre Dame. 